You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Jamie Migdal, and I'm your host of this episode of Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. I am so happy to be here with you, as I always am every week. We're having these amazing experiences with these guests that we have been able to uh, coerce <laughs> into being on the show. And hey, we've been hearing wonderful feedback from you guys, great questions. I think that you know the hope is that our show is it allows people a different perspective on the pet industry. Most people think of the pet industry as either like the food and manufacturing and the pharmacy part of it, even veterinary. And then some people think of it as just taking care of animals on the services side, daycare, boarding, grooming, etc. Well, that's true. There are many ways to look at this expansive industry, but what is going on? Are there people, really great people, really innovative, really impressive people behind all of those dollars? And so this show was put together to help the world understand what kind of people come from different backgrounds and lend their passions and lend their experience and their money and their drive to helping to continue to build on the pet industry and make it even greater than it has been. And it's been growing and growing and growing, as we know, for about 20 years. We've seen 300% growth over the last 20 years in terms of dollars. And that, I think, is largely due to the talent in the industry, the unspoken heroes. I know that's a kind of a cheap easy way of saying there are people that you guys should know. If you're in the pet industry or you want to be in the pet industry, there are really incredible people doing things that you should know about. And that's what our show is about. And today is no different. We do all different things. We talk to entrepreneurs. We talk to volunteers. We talk to people who have designed products. It goes everywhere. But today is a special day. Today is about, I think, the thing that is one of the most heartwarming and just purely positive areas of the pet industry. And that's talking about animals and their relationship to human beings. And it's something that everyone talks about, human-animal bond. There are some people who are doing lots of things around that, but this organization and this person in particular, is that is their whole mission, their whole life, their whole focus, their whole everything. It's just every initiative is around the human-animal bond. So please, I'd like to welcome my amazing... And, uh, and wonderful guest, Mary Margaret Callahan. Mary Margaret, welcome to Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm excited to be here. So I'm excited to have you here. So let's just talk about who you are. You are Mary Margaret, and you are the Senior, uh, Senior National Director of Program Development at Pet Partners. So for those of you who don't know what Pet Partners are, is, are, is, um, this is the time that I would suggest that if you are on your laptop or your mobile device, go ahead and jump on the website. Mary Margaret, will you give the website name? Absolutely. We're at petpartners.org. Just like it sounds, petpartners.org. Once you get on that website, you'll see exactly what's going on. This is a really, this is a prestigious, significant organization. It is of the highest caliber in terms of animal-assisted therapy and the work that we do around strengthening the human-animal bond. And I'll let Mary Margaret talk all about her experiences and what Pet Partners is after we come back from our break. But I just want to prepare everyone that I think what's going to happen, that after you hear Mary Margaret and you are involved with... uh, 
when you're actively listening to our conversation, it's probably going to be that you want to run out, <laughs> that you're going to want to run out with your dog and go and go help somebody. And that's how I feel every time I interact with pet partners, whether it be just a visit to the Facebook page or something more meaningful. Pet Partners is a very um, inspiring organization. And my hope is that today, through the conversation with Mary Margaret and learning about Pet Partners, that you have a, a deeper understanding of this area and of this field, but also that you look at your own animal and, and make some decisions about maybe this is some area that you want to get involved in and with. So, Mary Margaret Callahan, welcome to Pet Life Radio and welcome to Pets Mean Business. And are you excited to tell everyone all about you? I cannot wait. I can't wait either. Okay, so we're going to take <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and everyone can go to the website or the Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash pet for health. But it does come up if you search pet partners. So go out and look at that while we're on break. And when we come back, we're going to get really deep into what is this whole area and what is changing, what are the hot topics around it, and really just get down to the love button. You know, just the whole reason that we work with pets is all about what this conversation is going to embrace. So I'm Jamie McDonald, your host on Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. We're here with Mary Margaret Callahan, and we'll be back right after this message from our sponsor. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com, that's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com, or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back. As you heard at the top of the show, we are really honored to be here with a very impressive and influential person in the world of in the pet industry, uh, especially as it relates to animal-assisted therapy. So my guest today is Mary Margaret Callahan. Um, Like I mentioned, Mary Margaret is the Senior National Director of Program Development at Pet Partners, and she does, as I mentioned, oversee the largest and most prestigious animal therapy program, and they register. It's not just dogs, by the way, nine different species. So Mary Margaret, welcome again. Will you please talk to me? How did you find yourself in this role and what does it mean to you? Well, I consider myself uh, one of the lucky people who sort of managed to find a niche that really combined a lot of different loves for me. I certainly, uh, I started my career in education. I was actually a classroom teacher for 10 years and I moved into program development about a decade ago where I did lots of program development that pertained to have experience and have a, a deep understanding of sort of the power of the human-animal bond. And I imagine that's the same for, for many of your listeners and anybody who's involved in the pet industry. Certainly. But what I love is that I'm able to sort of help spread the availability of safe and effective animal-assisted 
assisted interventions across the country through my work with Pet Partners. For me, Pet Partners has been a place where the love of volunteering in your community and the love of animals intersect because that's um, what we do. We have people who love their animals and want to share their animals with other members in their community. And so they volunteer as therapy animal teams through Pet Partners. So I think one of the things that's happening recently, especially if you're paying attention to the media, I know you are, of course, but I'm talking about our listeners, is that there's some confusion around the um, the nomenclature around pet therapy and animal mm-hmm. therapy and service animals. Can we just get some of that kind of, let's get some of that cleared up. Let's go through what those different segmentations are and let's have some learning around that. So if you wouldn't mind talking us through, that would be awesome. Oh, it's my pleasure. Probably one of the largest sort of challenges in terminology is that people conflate service animals and therapy animals when they are actually two different things. Talk about Um, that. So service animals, the way that I think about it is service animals is really a one-on-one relationship where you've got a dog or in some cases a miniature horse. Those are the two animals that are recognized by the ADA to be service animals. And they have a very individual relationship with one person who they are trained to do tasks to support that individual who has disabilities and allows them to do their basic activities of daily living. So that could be um, everything from a seeing eye dog or maybe it's a mobility animal who helps a person balance. Seizure detection, right? Absolutely. You know, everything from helping someone get dressed in the morning to opening the door for them. That's what service animals do. And they, they have this deep bond with one person and their job is to help that one individual throughout the course of the day. Okay. Now, therapy animals is more of a one-to-many relationship. So if service animals are one-to-one, therapy animals are animals, most often dogs, but certainly, as you mentioned, Pet Partners registers nine different species of animals, and they have sort of a special aptitude for interacting with members of the public. So their work can span everything from social visits with seniors in assisted living situations to participating in goal-oriented physical therapy sessions for somebody recovering from a stroke. Just to be really clear, because I think that this is an important differentiator in terms of what Pet Partners is and what your organization's focus is, is that you guys are, you don't do anything with service animals. Am I correct? You're all on the therapy side. We are are on therapy animals. So we have pet owners who want to share their wonderful animals with people in the community. So they get trained and registered with pet partners in order to allow them to do that. Okay. And so I'm going to ask maybe a a loaded question here, but I think it's an important (laughs) question. So bear with me. Um, Sure. Talk about the vests. And, you know, I think part of my question, I guess, initially is, you know, you see, again, this confusion between service and therapy. And I know that we, we both know, I'm sure, I know that you're acutely aware of the organizations that are kind of around right now on the internet that you can pay some money and get a license and a, and a yeah. vest and a patch and a tag and all of a sudden your animal is considered a service dog. How can people, um, you know, just general public, how do we know what we're looking at when we see a dog with a vest? What's a telltale sign of a therapy animal versus a service animal? And how also, just to take that to another level, how do we understand legitimacy around that labeling of that animal? Or is there a way to do that? It's really difficult. 
to establish legitimacy. And it's been my experience that a lot of times these inconsistencies or, or errors are sometimes from a place of, of just lack of information. Okay. They're well, well-meaning <laughs> people who don't really understand the difference sure. between what a service animal is and what a therapy animal is. And, sure. you know, service animals certainly do have rights of access as guaranteed through the ADA where, where these people can take their animal into the places in the public, including on airplanes, because they're needed in order to allow them to sort of do their daily activities activities. Therapy animals do not have those rights of access. So, Unless okay. you're in a pet-friendly place. Like if you're going to a pet store and sure. animals are welcome, sure, sure, that's different. But you don't need a designation to be allowed in those pet-friendly spaces. That's for all nope. animals, assuming that there's no aggression issues or no threat to Absolutely. safety. So, okay, so back to, so then thinking more about, you know, again, the problems that I think are starting to come up, uh, and I know that you guys are acutely aware of them is, from your organization's perspective, the service animals that aren't necessarily ADA certified. Can you talk a little bit? I know that this is not Pet Partners area of expertise, but you really are an expert in this space and you're just such a voice of knowledge around this. So can you just maybe give a couple of pointers or a couple of pieces of information around, again, that legitimacy, what makes a service dog and what is not a service dog and what are some of the requirements for those animals? So there's no way to tell at a glance whether an animal is a service animal or not. And there's no paper that anyone would ever be required to carry, no licensure, anything like that, that you would ever use necessarily to prove that you have a service animal. It's simply not a stipulation of the ADA. Do you see that changing? Um, You know, I would be surprised if it doesn't. I understand that for a large act like the American with Disabilities Act, that would probably take a a fair bit of doing. But we are seeing and hearing more. I I feel like Florida recently some legislation around this where people are more sensitized to people taking advantage of the service animal designation and trying to pass their animals off as service animals. And I think people aren't really tolerant of that. So, you know, certainly in terms of with our pet partners teams, we make every effort to make sure our handlers are very clear on the difference because if you were to intentionally try and pass off your your animal, a therapy animal, as a service animal, that has repercussions with your registration with pet partners because we're sensitive to the fact that animals who are not necessarily service animals can impact the ability for people to have access who have legitimate service animals and do need to take them into public. So do you have any crossover in, in your, I do have 11,000 teams, is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's so right. out, of, out of the 11,000 teams of pet partners, and so just, again, another definition moment, because I think it's so important that people understand how this organization is structured and how this activity is structured and what happens. So a team is an animal and a handler that handlers typically the owner. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So of those 11,000 folks with their beloved animals, are any of those dogs or any of those horses, I guess, in this case, are any of those um, service animals as well? Do they have any dual identity? You can have an animal that's registered with a dual identity that's both a service animal and a therapy animal. Now, it's very dependent on how that individual needs to use their animal. And some people have trained their animals to have sort of multiple languages, if you'll say that, where they have sort of one language or identity when they're working as a therapy animal, and then they can also switch to being a service animal. I would say it's not for every service animal necessarily, but for some it does work out well. 
So you said, I want to just be clear. So out of the out of the number of species that you guys allow into your program, mm-hmm. I assume the majority of them are dogs, or is that a wrong assumption? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. What, what uh, is your majority are dogs. Okay. What is the percentage? Would you do you have any uh, access? About ninety four percent of our oh. teams are canines. Okay. Uh, and then right. that's followed up after the next two most popular species, which are about tied neck and neck, are cats and horses. Horses. All right. This So horses, I assume, are not walking into senior living homes, into senior well, residents. Actually, in some cases, they are. A lot of times we're seeing people register with miniature horses rather than full-size horses. How big is a miniature horse? I really don't get Miniature horses at the shoulder are anywhere between, say, I think it's between 30 and 40 inches generally. So, so like I a mean, great day? Cases, yeah, in some cases, smaller than really large breed dogs. Really? Um, I've had actually, I've actually gotten a chance to meet a miniature horse and a Great Pyrenees dog at the same time. The Great Pyrenees dog was definitely larger. Okay, so first of all, I, I how twenty years of being in this industry and working in the service sector, working with people and pets, I have never met a miniature horse. So that's just kind of a I, well, I you're missing out, Jamie. I, I have totally, to say, <laughs> I am totally missing. So, do people who have miniature horses do they live in the house with them or do they live in stables? What's the, they, use, the, they live in stables, and they okay. have usually some pasture and acreage to go out and roam, but they are wonderful therapy animals. And now every facility is different, but many facilities are very welcoming of miniature horses. They do need to be potty trained, just like a dog. Just, how did you know? Seriously, how did you know? Because <laughs> it is the number one question I get about mini horses. <laughs> okay. Can right, you potty train a mini horse? Yes, so you I, can. Yeah. That is that has to be the number one question because I would imagine that would really ruin a therapy visit if they were not right. potty trained. All right, so on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a sp- <laughs> we're going to go ahead and take a quick break with our sponsors, and then we'll get back and talk more about horse poop and other things as related to <laughs> as related to pet partners. Mary Margaret, thanks so much for being with us. Okay, guys, we'll be right back more with Mary Margaret and talking about animal assisted therapy and pet partners and all the cool things that are involved with that. Thanks, guys. Be right back. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jamie Migdal. I'm your host. 
Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. And today we're really honored to be with my guest, Mary Margaret Callahan. Mary Margaret Callahan, as we have stated a number of times now, is the Senior National Director of the Program Development at Pet Partners. And Pet Partners is, again, well-established through our time today as the largest and most prestigious animal therapy program in the country. And they register up to nine different species, 94% of those species being horses. Mary oh, Margaret. Dogs. I'm sorry. Did I say horses? I'm so, I'm, I'm obsessed You got horses now. on the brain. I am your horses. I just, I, I, I'm thinking about getting one today. I want to go see one right now. 94% of those animals being dogs, uh, next cats and horses. And also, you know, Mary Margaret, I think one of the cool things about our show, our guest background and finding out how people land in and how they end up in the roles that they are in, whether it be again, entrepreneurial or uh, nonprofit or whatever the position or role or organization is. And in Mary Margaret's case, she's identified that she's the daughter of a veterinarian, which I think is probably a good way for you to open up the conversation when people say, so how did you get involved in this? It's a wonderful, <laughs> right? It's like, it's such a natural opening, but but that's only the opening. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you personally and find out about how you, and we talked about that you were an educator and then you got into this role, but what what do you think is really important in terms of your skill set, in terms of your worldview, um, and what are things that you would recommend to people for them to acknowledge about themselves if they were looking to also get involved, not just in therapy with their animals, but if they're looking to actually explore something um, on the administrative level or program development level, what can you talk about around that? Well, you know, one of the reasons I was so interested in, in pet partners at the time when I joined was that they were starting to think really around increasing sort of the level of standard for these therapy animal teams. I would say, you know, it's a little bit of a common misconception that just anybody with an animal can walk in and have a great animal-assisted intervention with someone. It takes more than that, quite frankly. And at this point in time, you know, we're seeing people all over the place, you know, some of whom have have been well-trained and have vetted animals that are safe, and some of people who just have a really wonderful dog and they want to take it into the nursing home where grandma or grandpa is. And I'm not here to say that you shouldn't do that or you can't do that, but what I'm thinking of is, is the field really holistically and in the long term, that it will only take a couple unfortunate incidents can be impacted or tarnished as an entire industry, quite frankly. And what so, is an ex- what's an example of that? Just, I mean, I think I have some uh, images, as I'm sure our listeners do, conjured up in their mind. But what is really a, a reasonable example of something that would be have long-term negative effects in the industry? I would really say any any kind of acts of aggression that potentially result in an injury or potential for an injury. So, and again, oftentimes these are wonderful, well-meaning people who just haven't necessarily thought logistically about all the aspects of visiting. So, if you don't realize, you know, you have a wonderful animal that you love, but you don't realize that maybe your dog has just developed an ear infection, let's say, because they seem, you know, they're just your happy, regular dog, and you take them to visit someone, and a stranger reaches over and and pets their head or their ear, and your dog recoils and snarls or snaps or bites. That sets a tone in that facility that animals may not be safe here for visiting. And so really, one of the things that brought me to this industry is that I thought education and training and increasingly rigorous standards are going to be what sets the stage for safe and effective visits. Regardless of whether you're registered with pet partners or anyone, I want to make sure that you're doing it safely and that you have all the information you need to be a really well-equipped professional volunteer in any setting that you go to. Being that Pet Partners is the largest and most prestigious, and I know that Pet Smart is your corporate sponsor, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right? 
That's right. So, so you guys are, I mean, you guys are the real deal. Like, let's just call it like it is. You guys are the real deal, again, which is why I'm so honored to have a relationship with you and that you're here with us today. It's, a, I mean, you guys listening, this is like, Pet Partners is the real deal. They are, they are innovative and they are cutting edge and they are putting the time and the resources into really just establishing the, the most incredible and most meaningful protocols around animal assisted therapy. And you call them intervention visits. Can you talk about that for a second? You kept using the word yeah. I've never heard of this. Oh, so animal-assisted interventions is sort of a blanket term, if you will, and animal-assisted therapy fits within that. So you, within animal-assisted interventions, you can have a variety of different kinds of activities. So you might have animal-assisted therapy, which is like a goal-oriented visit that's supervised by a medical professional. So that may be that a dog is present at a physical therapy session so that the person can practice brushing the dog as a range of motion exercise. Or they use the dog and holding a secondary leash to practice walking down the hallway for their balance. And so are you working oriented and supervised by a a medical professional? Well, that was my question. So there's treatment plans around this and the animals are then Mm -hmm. brought in and and they become a modality, a treatment modality within the treatment plan for those patients. So the other question I was getting at before and I I got a little bit, I I lost my train of thought, but my other question is obviously there are other animal assisted therapy organizations around the country. Given that you are the biggest, the best, the most prestigious, uh, however you want to word it, that's my opinion. How are you viewed and what are the relationships like with those other organizations? Well, you know, I personally prefer to take a a collaborative approach. You know, Pet Partners doesn't have any rules or regulations that you can't belong to other groups while you're also registered with Pet Partners. Okay. Um, So certainly, you know, sometimes people are interested in in doing different things. And, you know, we're not necessarily every community in all across the United States. We're in all 50 states, but to varying levels of, of density and perhaps not in your hometown. But what I would say is that Pet Partners is looking to position our in a way where even if you wanted to register with another organization, we'd like to be able to provide you with additional information that we think will help you be better and safer when you visit. And that's what I get. That's my sense from the things that I've learned about pet partners, both through my professional and just, um, you know, just passive understanding of an involvement with pet partners is that you guys are, because of the innovation, the cutting edge, and because of the position you've taken within the pet industry, that you guys are actually looking to be a part of the future the way that we're looking at structuring, the way that we're looking at structuring the therapy animals moving forward, that you guys want to be a part of that conversation, that you want to be involved in some of the decisions, whether they're legislation or whether they're policies, what have you. Is that, I mean, that's my, that's my take on it. Am I right about that or am I, I, am I just reading I think- too much into it? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, there's a variety of small sort of tactical things that we can do to make sure there's good information out there and people who are interested in doing this are doing it in the best way they can. But I think there's a larger role for advocacy and pet partners would like to help people who want to help advocate for the human-animal bond do so. You know, really going forward in the future, I really do believe that we're seeing a growing body of research that's indicating that human health outcomes can be attributed to animal-assisted interventions. And so I, I think over time, animal are going to be more regularly included in allied health therapeutic sessions. And maybe even at some point in time, medically supervised human-animal interactions will be eligible for third-party reimbursement based on all this expanding data. I think that there's a big future here. I think 
North America is, you know, if you were to compare that to Western Europe, this is already much more prevalent in areas in Western Europe where animals are, are part of treatment plants regularly for people. I think that that's the direction we're seeing things go. And, and if that's, if we believe so strongly in the human-animal bond and we think that animals can influence public health, we want to make sure that, that we're doing everything to help that happen and be benefit for everyone, whether you're a private pet owner or whether you're someone in a hospital stay who would really benefit from a visit from an animal. So having these discussions, having these real discussions and having the, you know, not only the fun, feel-good conversations about animal-assisted therapy, but really having the discussions about whether animals are appropriate for this work and being able to have those one-on-one or one-off conversations with people, that must be a challenge of the organization. I know that as a dog trainer, I know I'm, I'm a dog trainer. I've been a dog trainer for a long time and we've always run CGC classes and we've always been, you know, there's always been some involvement, always an interest from the general public around getting their dogs certified to some degree around some sort of, you know, you understand, right? There's people who want their dog mm-hmm. to be acknowledged as being a really great dog and there are ways to yep. do that. So do you see as pet ownership, the popularity of pet ownership rises year after year, do you see more and more challenge around those dialogues and conversations or do you think that it's becoming easier to have those conversations because of the popularity? What trend do you see? Well, I think we always have to acknowledge that, you know, a relationship between a person and and their animal is a very personal one. And anytime, if I'm going to tell you that I don't think your dog's well suited for therapy, that's like me telling you that your Mm -hmm. child is Mm -hmm. not very smart. That's Um, right. That's right. right. You can have a wonderful companion animal who is not particularly well suited for therapy work. I have a great little chihuahua. Her name is Mimi. She has pretty good obedience skills. She is certainly a wonderful animal and I love her dearly, but she is very bonded to me. She doesn't actually really like interacting with strangers and that would mean she would not be a great therapy animal. But you Um, have the insight, but you're coming from a place where you have, I mean, this is in your blood, right? This is in your bones. This is this, you live, breathe. This is you embody what it means to have a good therapy animal, what that means. But so you recognize that, which I think, by the way, is amazing. That is just awesome that you can say that, that you have a dog who would not be a good pet partner. (laughs) She would not. (laughs) That is is awesome. So again, the person who you have to say your kid is ugly or not smart, all right, because that's the conversation. How can we go about, how can pet professionals go about that conversation in a meaningful, non-threatening way? What are some tips or what are some ways of approaching those those interactions? I know that's a hard One, question, by the way. I know that's a hard is. question. Well, I know. It's something we, we do have to do. And I would say the way that I often approach this um, is um, from, a, from an animal welfare lens, if you will. So... Good. Got it. We are we're asking our animals to do something that actually ultimately we're ah, the ones who want to do it. That's right. right. That's and right. And we're asking them to participate with us. That's right. And so you need to be able to gauge your animal's level of enjoyment in this activity. And just like I would never make my daughter play basketball if she really, really hated it, mm-hmm. I would never ask my chihuahua to sit on a stranger's lap if it made her nervous and uncomfortable. So uh, because when I ask my animal to do stuff like that, it starts to erode the level of trust between my animal and myself. Oh, Mary Margaret, that's so brilliant. That's so brilliantly put. That is really a great way to approach that conversation. It's about, so basically turning it 
and making it not about your dog is not good enough, but you right. love your dog so much. Your relationship with your animal is so powerful and so important that we want to protect that relationship. And this may not be an activity that is aligned with that. Brilliant. It's not a judgment of your animal. Your animal can still be a fantastic companion animal. Your animal might love to play with immediate family in the backyard. And all those things are still good. But if your animal isn't enjoying interacting with strangers or maybe they're not confident in places they've never been, maybe that creates anxiety for them, or maybe they startle when things happen and it takes them too long to recover. recover. You don't want to place that level of stress on your animal. You want your animal to always feel supported by you and you want your animal to trust that you're always going to do what's in its best interest. And if visiting as a therapy animal is not in your animal's best interest, then that's okay. There are still things you can do to advocate for the human-animal bond. And it doesn't have to involve your personal pet. And maybe a future pet will be better suited for that. And that's okay. And certainly some people are on the the brink and they they think, I'm going to work more on socialization. I'll try it again. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it's a little extra training. But not every animal is well suited for this work. Well, it's a temperament issue. I mean, at the end of the day, this is about temperament and nothing else, right? Because you can take a dog who has terrible obedience, but a very solid temperament and good sociability, and you can get them tested. They can pass the test. But a dog who doesn't have the proper temperament, they're never going to pass the test. And even if they did pass the test, they're not going to enjoy the work. So the question I'm sure you get asked all the time, not only about the miniature horses and the poop, but probably (laughs) also what is the best breed that you have seen in your experience. I have my opinions. I want to hear yours. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things I've enjoyed so much is that I have literally seen animals of all shapes and sizes who are successful at this. Certainly, you know, statistically speaking, we see a lot more of labs and animals like that that are are well known to have lovely personalities, but we don't have any breed restrictions for animals to participate if they're one of our accepted species. So I've seen amazingly gentle, wonderful pit bulls who are great therapy animals. You know, I have people all the time who go, cats, I've never met a cat who could do this. Well, I've owned cats before and I've not had a cat who would do this, but I have met some amazing cats who love interacting. They're almost like dogs. You know, so I don't have a personal front runner in terms of breeds I think are well suited. I think that a lot of times it's very individual. I agree with you. That was my answer too. I agree. I really do. I think that I think that when you see when the numbers that they skew more towards the labs and the goldens mm-hmm. because those are the dogs that have the most popularity. I mean, so there's just sure. a, there's a relationship between those two numbers. But I think you're right. I have had many people over the years say, "I really want to do therapy with my animal, with my dog." I'm looking at you know shelters. I'm looking at rescues. I'm looking at breeders. What should I do? What's the best dog? And it's an impossible question. It's an impossible question sight unseen. There's no way that anyone can say that a particular breed, uh, a particular dog within that particular breed is going to be suitable for this kind of work because it really does come down to, it's a genetic question. It's not a breed question. And I love that we can have this conversation and I love that Pet Partners really acknowledges that and that you guys are so open-minded and so, again, innovative on the cutting edge, open to having these conversations and these dialogues, being a part of the conversation. These are the things that I, I think are most compelling about your organization in general. And I think for those of you listening who are interested in in learning more about pet partners or about just getting involved uh, in this field, whether it be with your animal or on another level, Mary Margaret, will you talk a little bit about or give some specifics about how people can start to investigate that or get involved with your organization? 
Absolutely. So certainly all of our listeners today are absolutely invited to uh, visit petpartners.org to start some reading about what it would take to become a therapy animal team if that's what's interested to you. We also regularly have volunteering with your pet sessions. These are free webinars that are presented by current pet partners volunteers who are able to share details about the process of becoming registered with pet partners and answer questions that you may have. So you can find details about the next volunteering with your pet session online at petpartners.org. Great. And I think this is probably a time for a little shameless plug, if you don't mind. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do it. So if you've been listening, you know that I not only do I do this amazing show and I'm a part of this community and uh, a very proud pet industry professional, but I also happen to be the founder and CEO of a company called FetchFind, which is a, well, for lack of a better way of describing it, we are the career builder for the pet industry, meaning that we're an organization, we're a, a digital organization that for folks looking to work with animals, whether it be a full-time gig or a part-time gig, looking for an education opportunity, or in this case, a volunteer opportunity, we are a portal for all of those things for folks looking to find a way. And we just announced... I think, was it last week, Mary Margaret? It was last week, I think, yeah. It was. So last week, I think it was sometime, we'll say it was in June. Okay, that's good. (laughs) There we go. Back in June, we had, um, we've made an announcement that there's a formal partnership and alignment between Pet Partners and Fetch Fine that we are going to be actively participating and advocating for Pet Partners for volunteer acquisition and some of the different activities that Pet Partners is looking to, um, some roles that they're looking to fill. So I will make sure, listen, full disclosure, always full disclosure that I believe in pet partners so much professionally, personally, I have a very um, strong connection to pet partners. Uh, Again, another full disclosure, which Mary Margaret, I'm not sure if you even know this, that my dog Lydia, whose picture I'm looking at on my wall, I've got a giant picture of her on my wall, my heart dog. She was a Delta dog back in Mm -hmm. the day. So I've been, you know, just really just such a giant fan of and such a such a proponent of this work and to be of to be have have an affiliation with your organization on this professional kind of public front is so amazing to me and it just truly gives me chills and I'm honored that my company has any involvement with your company at all let alone that on this to this magnitude. So thank you. I don't think I've ever thanked you personally. I don't think we've ever had a chance to say that. So I say that in public to you. Thank you so much for allowing us to have that opportunity. And so for those of you listening, you can come to fetchfine.com and we can also help you with some pet partner, um, helping you to kind of figure out a course of action. And we're happy to make those connections for you. So if you want to reach, I guess there's the other thing that we want to say, if you want to reach Mary Margaret or you want to reach me, you can do so. Mary Margaret, would you mind giving out your email address? Not at all. You can reach me via email at C, C as in cat, at petpartners.org. And you can reach me at jamie at petliferadio.com, jamie at petliferadio.com. And of course, you can also reach FetchFine, which is hello, just like hello, at fetchfine.com. And you can ask us anything you want about pet partner or volunteering in general, or again, looking for, you know, employment opportunities. Uh, and I think actually, I can't remember, but to remind me, is there a job opportunity? Is there a job opening right now for pet I partners? I believe there is currently a job opportunity uh, listed on FetchFine for pet partners. Yes. Do you want to just talk about that role real quick in case there's someone listening who might be a good fit? Absolutely. So we feel really strongly about providing the best customer support that we can to our volunteers. So this position would be someone who would provide customer support service to some of our 11,000 volunteers through email and telephone support. And if you're interested and that sounds like something perfect for you, we would love to have you apply. 
And this is a real, I'm, I'm actually looking at the job post right now on Fetch Find. Um, and it's a real job, folks. I mean, this again, I didn't, Mary Margaret, you know that this was not a planned part. I mean, we did not plan no. to actually go into <laughs> this at all. I promise this is not. Oh, very convenient, ladies. I'm looking at this job. This is a real job. This is an administrative role with pet partners in Bellevue, Washington at your headquarters. It's a salary position. It's pretty cool. So come to Fetch Find if you want to learn more about the position, if you want to potentially even work for pet partners. Oh, my goodness. How cool would that be if you? if you had an applicant or a candidate that came out of this radio show. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. It would be great. You'd be yeah. join me in living the dream. Is, listen, is Bellevue awesome? <laughs> is, is Washington it's awesome? Pacific is Northwest it? is beautiful. All right. Well, maybe, you know what? If this whole thing doesn't work out for me, I may be applying. How about that? How about if I, <laughs> listen, I think that this might be the job for me. I hope that you guys at Pet Life Radio Network are cool with that. Everyone at Fetch Finds cool. I'm going to go work. I'm going to go do, because this would really be, a, I listen, folks, this would be a great job for anyone, but I really do. I'm looking at this, this um, listing right now and it looks incredible. So, all right. So we, we digress. There's a job if you want it, working at Pet Partners, or of course, learning more about how you can get involved with your pet. There's lots of opportunity there as well. You can be become one of the 11,000 amazing teams that Pet Partners is happy to, what would you say you are happy to represent? How do you, how do you, what's the word there? Well, we say we register teams register. that volunteer on behalf of Pet Partners, yes. Okay, that's the way to go about saying it. Okay, so on that note, everybody, this has been an incredible time here learning about all about animal-assisted therapy and Mary Margaret's background and ways that you can get involved. I think we covered a lot of really important things. If you have additional questions, please reach out to either Mary Margaret or myself. We're happy to help you guys. If you know of somebody in your life that you think this would benefit, please give them our information and we can do what we can to get everyone rolling. So, on that note you've just listened to episode not even sure what number this is so i won't even say it but you listen to another episode of pets mean business on the pet life radio network i'm jamie amigdal i am honored to be here with you i hope that you got something from our time today and i will see you next time thank you so much mary margaret oh, my pleasure jamie thank you talk to you soon all right bye-bye everybody let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com <laughs>